This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host, Akansha Kumar and joining me in the studio is my colleague, Alanjit K. Johnny, a new entrant to our team who has been tracking the recent rumblings in the city of Delhi. His recent story focuses on a stretch of road in West Delhi that has witnessed some of the most horrific road accidents lately. Welcome, Alan. Thank you, Akansha. Hope you're not nervous. Uh, a bit nervous, yeah. <laughs> okay, don't worry. I think we've all been through this initial phase of uncertainty. Also joining us online from Bangalore is Prajwal Bhatt from the News Minute. He's a reporter with the News Minute and along with his team, uh, they have done an investigation on the alleged voter data theft that has sent ripples across the political circles in the state of Karnataka in a pre-election year. Hi, Prajwal. Good to have you back again on Reporters Without Orders. Yeah, sorry. Happy to be here. As I was uh, reading the stories, uh, you know, that have been a part of this uh, investigation by TNM, what struck me was the marked similarity. Uh, Of course, in this particular case, we can still say that the subset is small compared to the 2018 Cambridge Analytica scandal, uh, wherein it was established at a firm with with links uh, to a former advisor to Trump, uh, Steve Bannon, had uh, manipulated data of voters uh, who had Facebook accounts and they had harvested this data uh, for their own benefit. Uh, And that leads me to the first question uh, that in this particular case, the private firm or NGO, uh, Chilum, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Uh, it's pronounced Chilume. Okay, Chilumi. So, Chilume. Uh, Chilume. Chilume. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, they have sent representatives to the field uh, to collect data uh, and they have some very specific categories uh, as to what they want uh, from the voters in the name of uh, uh, being a part of voter awareness campaign. Um, help us understand the extent of personal data that this private firm has managed to gather and the kind of manipulation uh, this kind of database can be subjected to. So, yeah, firstly, I'd like to say that uh, this was a joint investigation by the News Minute and a Kanna outlet uh, called Pratidhwani. And uh, it, the, I mean, the first clue we had that something like this was happening was three months before we eventually published our investigation last month. And the first clue was that there was a disgruntled worker who was simply not paid, uh, even though he did two months of work. And when we met this worker and when we talked about the work he was doing, so he was a field worker employed by this uh, private company called Chilume that was sending thousands of field workers knocking on doors to households in Bengaluru and collecting voter data, and all of this with a government order in hand. Now, it's it's very different from a private company just doing a private exercise. It, it is a private company that impersonated booth-level officers 
uh, with a government order that allowed them to do voter awareness, but they were doing something that uh, extended this brief uh, beyond your imagination. And they were collecting sensitive voter data from people. They were asking their voter ID number, their Aadhaar number, their marital status, and uh, and they had a list of uh, categories that uh, they were collecting information about. And in addition to this, they were also mapping out constituencies. They were marking out maps of areas covered by a polling booth in incredible detail. What is a vacant property? What is uh, a residential property? What is a commercial complex? And, and this kind of data for a politician trying to win an election is, is a goldmine because elections essentially come down to how much information you have on a voter. And if you are able to make voter profiles that are in this level of detail, if you are able to, you know, tailor your election speeches to the voter profiles that you've gathered, and if you're able to announce policies to the voter prof profiles you've gathered, and if you're able to even understand where in the constituency are the voters that are unhappy with you, then that is data that is essentially invaluable to a politician. So the, the illegality in this case was that a private company was doing this, impersonating government officials with a government order, and, and there were, it was essentially a large-scale voter data fraud. And, uh, you know, as uh, your story clearly establishes that uh, this particular private firm uh, also had its own conflict of interest because, uh, you know, they in their sales pitch, uh, they uh, they kind of uh, they, they state very clearly that they can cater to interests of the political uh, parties. And all this data was being fed into this app called Samiksha app. Um, now that, you know, uh, a private entity has uh, this kind of database, uh, what is the election commission or the local level authorities doing to ensure, uh, you know, that that no one misuses this kind of data to retrieve it or to safeguard it? I think one of the good things that has come out of this investigation is that 14 people have been arrested. That the people who were part of this private company and the government officials who sanctioned this operation have faced consequences. But the biggest question, like you pointed out, is where is the data? Mm. Now, if you think about the internet age, uh, data is, you know, the the fuel that the internet system runs on, uh, as valuable as, you know, uh, oil or gold. And now the question we are also asking is, where is this gold? Where is the data that has been collected? So what we know is that, that they have, uh, you know, collected data from private residents from thousands of households in Bangalore, because this particular NGO, the particular company has been allowed to do voter awareness in the city for at least five years. This is spanning both Congress and BJP government. And it is in the last three months from August 2022 that they were allowed to, you know, kind of do it in all 28 constituencies in Bangalore. So now the question comes, where is the data that they have collected? Right. And we have not gotten answers from authorities, even though the Election Commission of India has promptly taken action and has called for a re-verification of electoral rolls in three Bangalore constituencies. And also the opposition parties have made a sound about this, have also uh, ensured that their party workers are checking electoral rolls in all constituencies in Karnataka. So the uh, apart from the criminal investigation that has been opened, the, there is also a sort of 
you know the the system has taken cognizance and as a journalist there is nothing more that you know you want to do than mm. to uh, uh, see that your story has led to you know reform in the electoral rules and revision that uh, process that is uh, supposed to happen before the election but the main question as uh, we are still asking is where is the data and right. there has been no answers given and uh, even though the criminal investigation is going on uh the police are yet to give us an update about uh, the extent of the data collection and about you know where it was stored so like you said the app they have used is a private app digital samiksha mm-hmm. and uh, this particular uh, app has is where they've stored all the voter information that they've collected illegally and uh, the 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 word is that you know they were supposed to be publicizing the government voter helpline app but instead of that they were uh impersonating uh go- government officials or booth level officials and doing this and there's also a question of security here right there were no background checks done on who these field workers are they were mostly young men brought from rural parts of karnataka who were collecting data in bangalore and it was a security check it, it is a security issue because they have knocked down thousands of households they've been inside these households and they've you know uh, taken data claim, claiming to be government officials so they could have done anything in that moment so the the background checks were not done to check who these people are and why are they being allowed to you know uh, do this kind of voter awareness or voter data collection program right uh, alan uh, uh, i would like to bring you in here you were also trying to uh you know follow up on this story from here and uh, even as uh, you know uh, the congress party is uh, making a hue and uh, and cry about this entire issue uh, what i read in certain news reports was that it was the same agency as even prajwal mentioned that uh, was entrusted with voter awareness campaign way back in 2018 as well um so do you have to say anything about the impact of it uh, as far as uh, you know uh, uh, elections are concerned uh, what do you have to say about uh, the sway this can have on the uh, politics in karnataka or if you have any question for prajwal yeah sure uh, first of all i would like to congratulate uh, the tnm team for bringing up such a huge investigation which even took them a long time to even do this i mean it's not very easy for reporters to continuously work on one particular yeah. project and then bring outputs so one thing i've noticed is that the memorandum sent by congress mm. after the investigation is completely what investigation this uh, both the uh, outlets such as uh, the tnm as well as the pradhidhuni have investigated so they didn't have anything other than what is already been investigated so i think like there should be something like a, as a political party op- as an opposition congress should have brought congress itself should have did something here as well hmm. see medias have the very uh, investigative idea but then as a political party in, in order for them to come up in the next elections they should have something in their hand they should have have an idea on like other than what is reported they should come collect more information and then that should be reported that's something interesting i found in the case also i would like to ask the kind of uh, uh, members who are selected in this ngo like mostly this ngo called chilume have selected people from rural areas mm. of karnataka so when people from rural areas are selected and uh, brought for such a project uh like don't you think so like there is a kind of 
like the very affected people uh, even after fir was uh, filed against the chilume like most of the uh, chilume associates were like people from rural areas and the bbmb officials weren't having like they were actually suspended or something but then there were no major actions taken so i think so like the, the there's a kind of uh, more uh, affection to the rural people who is associated with chilume other than the real authorities who is in the, in the background so that's something i would like to ask right so i will uh, request uh, prajwal to uh, give a response to the question raised by alan uh, which is that whether the higher ups uh, in this private firm chilume faced any sort of uh, disciplinary uh, action uh, any sort mm. of penal action was taken against them or was it uh, those who are already at the bottom of the pyramid at the receiving end as usual ha prajal now you might you may yeah thank you ahead. for the question and i think you as somebody who's followed the investigation and somebody who's very perceptive about what happened here um i would like to say that you know the like you rightly mentioned the people who were initially you know accused in the case the people who were initially targeted in the case where these field workers who were brought to bangalore in holds they were pitched up in pgs on the outskirts of bangalore and they were sent out to do data collection and from my understanding having spoken to them at length they did not know that they were part of an illegitimate exercise they thought that they are in bangalore to work with the city civic body the bbmp and you know do voter data collection for a legitimate government exercise because they were given blo cards identifying them as booth level officers and they were told to go and do this data collection and so it came as a surprise to many of us who were part of the investigation that the first person accused in the case was a field worker who actually did the data collection but was not aware that what he was doing is in fact illegal now but i have good news to report that after the first case Uh, was filed against him he in fact has not been arrested and the people who have been arrested are the head of the institution uh, of chilume and you know the key members of chilume who plotted this that uh, there have been 14 arrests including four people from the bbmp and uh, and you know key members of the chilume including its head krishnappa ravi kumar who started this organization many many years ago way before 2013 and his organization has been involved in data collection at various stages since 2013 and he uh, during our investigation we found that uh, that that not only did the field workers not know anything about uh, uh, the illegality of what they were doing that krishnappa ravi kumar was somebody who was very confident that what he was doing is in fact legal so there was a moment where our reporter even confronted uh, krishnappa ravi kumar and he seemed to be believe that he would be exonerated of all charges and we stick stuck our you know stuck to our case that you know we are just reporters who are reporting on this issue and uh, it is up to the authorities to you know take take action now you mentioned about the field workers who came from different different parts of karnataka so uh, one thing that i want to add here is that the way that these field workers were batched up and living in pgs on the outskirts of bangalore and they were made to work for 2 months without being paid salaries now this particular private ngo has told the city civic body that they will do this voter awareness work 
for free. So the government order that has been passed says that Chilume will carry out the service for free. But they are offering to pay large sums of money to the data collectors for every you know voter ID verified. So if you verify one note, voter ID, you receive rupees 15. So there were contracts drawn up with the field workers through manpower agencies to pay them for you know this kind of exercise. Now the question that naturally comes out of this is how does a private company that is claiming to do an exercise for free with the city civic body is you know willingly paying workers for the same exercise? Who is funding this operation and who gains uh, to you know benefit the most from this operation? One of the you know other stories that we have done since the first investigation was published was that a former BJP MLA in Bangalore paid rupees 18 lakh for a voter data survey from Chilume. Mm. Now this is a direct fallout of you know what this kind of data means to a politician or means to somebody who is standing for an election. The other thing we found is that some of the field workers for Chilume were actually being trained in a BJP MLA's ward office. And this is well beyond the point that BBMP came to its senses and cancelled the order allowing Chilume to continue data collection. So there are two questions that come out of this. Who is you know, actually benefiting from this and who has been funding this operation for so many years? That you know that they are paying field workers to collect this data, but they are not charging the city civic body any money for it. And that brings me to the you know final follow up question regarding uh, the cities, and that is uh, this one particular story uh, in Shivaji Nagar in Bangalore, uh, where you notice that uh, when it comes to deletion of certain names from electoral roll, uh, a lot of them happen to be Muslims. Um, right. So. Uh, and I think this is what could be the dangerous fallout uh, of uh, being in possession of this kind of data and the kind of manipulation this kind of database uh, can be subjected to at the hands of political players. Uh, but what exactly is the problem as far as uh, Muslim voters in this neighborhood are concerned? And is there really any alleged political hand behind deletion of Muslim names? So, like you mentioned, the you know voter deletion happens to be the greatest threat that comes out of this because, like we said, that this is all you know. If you map out a constituency and you can place you know who is where and uh, where there are vacant plots, where there are uh, residential plots, what you kind of you know build is uh, it's sort of like this Alibaba and the forty thieves. You have like this excellent map and uh, profile of the area, and you you can you can plot what you want to do. Now, what happened in Shivajinagar is there is a complaint raised by a BJP sympathizer that there are enormous amounts of voters in the Shivajinagar constituency that do not belong there. Now, the allegation was that twenty six thousand voters, which is nearly ten percent of the voters, uh, the total number of voters in Shivajinagar, uh, are fraud. And mm -hmm. of these 26,000, the, the claim by the BJP sympathizer is that majority of them are from the Muslim community. Now, the opposition party alleges that if, you, if a BJP sympathizer is you know, filing a complaint with the city civic body saying that there are you know, a large number of fraud voters in this constituency and many of them are Muslim, then that the city civic body will rely on this private NGO's uh, field work 
to delete the votes mm. and that is what has been playing out in shivajinagar there has been a political you know chaos that has erupted in shivajinagar because of this private ngos uh, work and uh, this is the reason that the election commission of india has taken cognizance of this and asked for electoral rolls revision to be completely re-verified in shivajinagar and two other constituencies in bangalore right so um thank you so much uh, prajwal for sharing insights on such an important uh, story uh, that Before once we I... finish, i'd like to i'd like to add one thing sure. that investigation like this are are possible because of new media right. because of digital media houses that are you know able to deploy resources following one story for 3 months and you know the, the whole process of uh, doing this kind of stories right like if if you're if you're a part of this new media outlet like news laundry is like the news minute is then i think it is time that people start encouraging more of journalism of this kind and that they start paying for journalism of this kind and uh, i know that a lot of people have this complaint that news houses like us keep asking for money keep asking for you know donations that to keep us going but this is a kind of work and this is a kind of impact that we are trying to create that we are trying to ensure that you know our elections are held in a free and fair manner that the whole process that you know our democracy rests on is not compromised and uh, it is it is i think okay to say now that new media houses uh, digital media houses are carrying out this kind of work more often than other media houses yeah uh, right and i think uh, that is why it is important Uh, to support, encourage, and subscribe to alternative media platforms like the News Minute. I wouldn't Minute. say they're alternative also now. I think that <laughs> we are. Kind, this. We are. Well, yeah, I mean, we are kind of replacing mainstream media. Uh, okay. So please do subscribe uh, to the News Minute and encourage them and support them uh, so that they can uh, do more such investigative stories. Uh, also support and subscribe News Laundry because we uh, also believe that. Uh, when the public pays public is served and when the advertisers pay advertisers are served um focusing on yet another important story uh, i would like to bring in my colleague alan here uh, your story talks about uh, this particular stretch of road between uh, the piragarhi and udyognagar metro station in west delhi which is called the rohtak road uh where some fatal accidents have been witnessed in this particular year itself so uh tell us alan what uh, exactly are the issues uh, as far as this particular stretch of road is concerned and what have the local authorities been telling you so uh, the pirangadi metro station and the udyognagar metro station which is like uh, the distance between two metro station is kind of t- maybe 1 or 2 kilometers but one thing you have to notice is that the people living nearby are mostly uh, people living in slum areas called udyognagar and other parts so mostly this uh, kids who are like crossing roads this accident has become a main issue mm. so on april of this year there was one accident reported of three children crossing the road uh, nearby the pirangadi metro station and then what happened is that one among the girl was hit by the car and then uh, she passed away on spot and same incidents has been occurring there even the next time on december other two girls also uh, met with an another accident so this is something that the area uh, when i've gone through the field 
have noticed one thing one of the intersection where there is uh, the traffic signals hmm. and the other other signal which is very close by doesn't have any signals and then people people there even while crossing roads find it very difficult i i i have even seen people uh, crossing the roads and at some point they, they are also confused like without a proper signal how are they going to uh, cross the roads so when i spoke with one of the local uh, person who is there he told me uh, accidents is something common there it's not something new every day or the other he listens to loud noises of accidents so that's something the government should take care take care of right so while contacting the mla of the region uh, ragvindra shokin he told me they they are been planning to uh, build a um, bridge i mean a foot over bridge near the metro station so students as well as people of o- older age can easily cross the roads hmm. without facing the tra- uh, like the traffic issues there hmm. so uh, the thing is after the first accident uh the people living in the area uh when went to the went to the house of the mla and then they started protesting they told they need a foot over bridge that's when he started reacting he, but when he, when i have contacted him he told he actually already uh, i mean was planning to do it but then when so the recent promise i mean nothing right, nothing, nothing happened. beyond that and when recently this accident happened he told me uh they are been this process of uh, constructing a foot over bridge by government it's not an easy task it has like uh it has to go through different uh, like organization like metro station uh, like all this like the government bodies associated to the construction should accept uh, the idea and then only they can process so he is telling after 3 months they are going to start building the uh, foot over bridge which is like and how can two, you give two this accidents start, already de- happened and then of 3 months like is the documentation thing done yeah is the already uh, all the the process that is required all the sanctions right. and the money estimated everything is calculated and then okay. it's sanctioned so now he is telling after 3 months uh, a foot over bridge will be built so now my next question is like what's the use of the foot over bridge so i spoke with one of the ngo uh, in delhi its secretary told me that yeah it's good to have a foot over bridge but his question was like what's the purpose of having a foot over bridge when accidents are happening so one thing he told me pedestrian friendly roads means not just having a crossing mm-hmm. with foot over bridge or something there should be other things as well R- signals are very important mm-hmm. uh channelization of roads should be important where both pre- pedestrian should be both pedestrian friendly as well mm-hmm. as uh, pe- people who are driving the cars should have a kind of signal to just know what's happening right so uh, he told me uh, when a foot over bridge is built uh, people have to uh, climb the two story steps and then climb down it itself takes so much time so at this point i i don't think so anyone is ready to spare their time to cross the roads so right. the major thing here is adorthi should actually think before they implement a project or anything so they should talk with the people and then find the feasibility and know whether this particular project will be useful for the particular people living in the area right and i think uh, when it comes to road accidents one such accident uh, which really made it to headlines and kind of shocked everyone this year was uh, 
the accident in which uh, uh, Cyrus Mistry died. Uh, and I was reading this uh, particular uh, story uh, on NDTV.com, which said that that particular stretch between Mumbai to Ahmedabad had witnessed 60 accidents uh, in in just this one year. And Prajwal, if I can bring you in here, uh, I think uh, Bangalore is also known for its traffic. Um, and, uh, you know, there is one quote uh, which uh, uh, kind of really uh, struck a chord with me. It's by Piyush Tiwari uh, from the Save Life Foundation, uh, who kind of has been very vocal about uh, what else needs to be done in order to avert road accidents. And um, in an interview to the Open magazine, he was quoted recently as saying, besides human behavior, we can also look at the road engineering and vehicle engineering aspects. Only then can we prevent road accident-related deaths in the country. So, uh, help us understand how uh, uh, big is this is an issue uh, in another metro city, uh, which is Bangalore. No, I mean, before the election, I think if you talk about, you know, the issues that people are talking about in the city of Bangalore, unanimously, you will find so many people just talk about the traffic and just talk about the fact that there are potholes in our city. And uh, one of the things that has been emerging in the past year is that there have been so many deaths related to potholes mm. and so many people who have lost their lives trying to navigate potholes and, you know, they, are, uh, they get into an accident. Uh, the one thing that has been common in all these cases that, you know, there is talk of compensation, but nobody has received compensation. In most cases, the city civic body simply absolves itself of responsibility by uh, ensuring that they are not the, you know, uh, party that is uh, uh, considered to be guilty. That the driver uh, on the road who is uh, on the opposite side and still navigating the same pothole is the guilty party. Or if there are if there if there is an ad advertising board involved, they find the company that is you know advertising there and you know make them the guilty party, but ensure that the city civic body is not responsible. And this means that the compensation that the victims' families that need to you know receive it, they do not receive it. And uh, if you talk about Bangalore's problems, then infrastructure and the fact that you know our traffic is at a standstill comes at the top of the list for so many of our residents. But uh, until recently, there was not much that was done to improve it. Now the BJP government in Karnataka is trying to, you know, they they they, they install somebody with a PhD in traffic management as the special commissioner for traffic and are trying to ensure that the traffic in the city is, 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 is you know, speeded up. But uh, there is still a long way to go before we can consider that, you know, this city can uh, uh, essentially uh, function in this uh, current state of traffic. And there was one particular quote uh, by Union Minister Nitin Gadkari, Alan, that you were just mentioning to me before the podcast. So uh, what is it that, uh, you know, the minister had to say? Uh, because this is also a government uh, who, which actually lost uh, one of its uh, union minister, Gopinath Munde, uh, in a road accident in Delhi itself. Um, and, and every time such a thing happens, you just hear the same rhetoric that everyone should wear uh, car seat belts. Even if you're sitting on the back, you should ensure that uh, you wear one. Um, but... 
tell us what exactly the minister had to say on this so uh, so recently i've read this report uh, that saying that there was a submit by tv9 on road safety so in that minister what the main uh, thing that said by the minister is like all uh, uh, people citizens um, the government and other agencies to together participate in this road safety measures so like it's very easy for ministers to claim that uh, everyone should take part in road safety measures but at the end of the day who is going to implement this it's the government so they are also kind of way running from their uh, particular like they, they are not ready to take take up the uh, blame or something because like they often blame the people itself like i have uh, heard this comment from uh, one of the uh, the the ministers like uh, not ministers mla associated to the area he told um, people started coming only after accidents take started taking place so it's like oh so someone should not migrate and come to delhi to you know in search of work they should just stay where they are yeah it's like they are not ready to take their responsibility they are right. like blaming someone the citizen itself Mm. so they are they are the ones who should provide all this necessary infrastructure for people to have a better road safety measures and everything should be associated with the party itself the government itself and then right. when they are trying to get out of their responsibility it's very hard for citizens to say what to do now or like what will happen next it's so unpredictable right so of course uh, as the saying goes that precaution is better than cure so road safety uh, may be the responsibility of a citizen at a personal level in terms of ensuring that you or uh, you know your family members they are wearing seat belt when they are driving uh, a vehicle or they are a pillion rider uh, but also uh, as alan and uh, prajwal they both said that a lot needs to be done as far as the policy part of it is concerned uh and uh, you know uh, the civic agencies the local politicians they also need to wrap their head around uh how to uh, manage a blind crossing as in the rohtak road and not blame it on people uh, who are living uh, in this particular neighborhood and uh that brings us to the last uh, segment of this podcast where we share uh, recommendations uh, for our listeners so prajwal uh, what would you like to recommend i don't think journalists find a lot of time to you know read books watch movies right. but uh, in this month i found that a film recommended to me by a friend she said it is also a film uh, that journalism aspirants uh, students who are studying uh journalism or want to be in this field should be watching because i think when you are in college you have this idea of journalism that is heavily focused on what tv journalism is doing but uh, you find through films like this like films like spotlight which won the oscar that journalism is a lot about uh, you know going and knocking on people's doors and finding information and and, and there's a lot of graft involved and a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, uh conversations that lead you to stories uh that take place behind the scenes in a uh, in a, when you put together a story so this particular movie goes into the investigation into uh, the Harvey Weinstein case uh, that was reported by two reporters of the new new york times and the movie does a great job of showing you know what kind of uh, gritty uh, you know field work that you need to do before you pull out a story like that and right. uh, it it parallels what i was doing in uh 
you know in the last few months i've been absolved uh, I've been like basically following this one story on uh, voter data theft in bangalore so and at the same time a friend of mine who is also a journalist recommended that you watch this movie so i would i would suggest anybody who is interested in journalism to you know uh, seek this out and watch it yeah the book made for a fascinating read um yeah. by megan tuhi and jody canter um yeah of course i want to say at this point that it might be triggering for anyone uh, you know any woman who wants to watch this movie or, or or even read the book and that is something that they need to consider before they watch the movie but uh, i i would just say that they did a good job of portraying the you know feelings of a journalist through an investigation and where which platform is it available because um, i i mean i watched it in the, the theater trailer. so i'm unsure about which platform oh, is available oh okay right and alan sorry at present i don't have any suggestions like anything you liked any recent show or movie or book you read you you can you would like to recommend uh like let me be frank i have been like i haven't have much time to do that like i've just moved to delhi and then i'm just you know like trying to the answer of every reporter <laughs> <laughs> but before coming to delhi before there must coming... be something that you watched <laughs> yeah there, there are a lot but i don't remember anything right now like yeah i, I would probably suggest a book that i've read that is the delhi a soliloquy by m mugundan okay. it's one of the really good books that i've read recently like it was before coming to delhi but it was really good to just the book speaks about um like a uh, few characters inside delhi like uh, it's a fiction by m mugundan it uh, okay. talks about few characters inside delhi uh, especially migrants who have traveled to delhi in search of jobs and then um, it was during the period of partition and what was happening to their lives it was a really interesting read i suggest to our listeners to probably try the book okay all right and i have been diligently making notes of all that i have been reading so there are three recommendations from my side uh there is uh, uh i think in september there was this uh, investigative piece by pro publica uh the title is the navy accused him of arson its own investigation showed widespread safety failures by megan rose it's been written like really beautifully and uh, uh the story focuses on the plight of uh, a navy guy who was accused of you know being involved in a fire related accident on board uh, a us uh, you know warship and but eventually the investigation points that he may not be the only one involved uh, and the investigation raises questions uh, about that uh there is this uh interesting essay in the caravan that appeared in august 2022 by shivinder singh uh it's on uh, siddhu musewala the essay is called guns juts and glory uh the hollow cult of siddhu musewala and i think it's a longish read uh and like the all the caravan essays are you you will take at least two or three days to finish it but it made for a very beautiful read because through this one protagonist the punjabi singer who was uh, killed recently in a shootout uh in a, he was shot dead he actually unravels the cultural change that uh, the state of punjab has gone through after the green revolution the hollowness of uh looking up to people like siddhu musewala as icons uh the misogyny and the violence that is reflected in their songs what does it say about the state and its politics so i i just found it 
quite fascinating and there is an ad uh, which i saw this morning um, it's the latest ad by mobile phone company vivo and it actually suggests to just switch off uh, you know it gives a data and there is the uh, the the ad is focused on a couple you know they decide to switch off the mobile for a while so that they can have their own me time for each other and they give a data stat at the end that 77% or 88% uh, spousal relationships are affected uh, because they don't know when to just switch it off and whether you are in a relationship or not i think as journalists we all of us would agree that it is important to switch off to be able to retain your own uh, sanity so do watch this ad and on yeah, that i think with journalists i think the phone becomes the extension of your hand at one point so <laughs> you are like so i have been locked out of my twitter account for a few days because of an issue with two factor authentication and right. i feel like i'm very you know uh, uh, peaceful and at peace with the fact that you know i didn't have to look at twitter yeah I, even i had the same issue twitter authentication i didn't use twitter for like 2 weeks but then once i uh, things started okay like i started using it again and then uh, still like so addicted with that so yeah, better so, be careful so such <laughs> is our life that without mobiles we are just super zen creatures we also have another announcement uh there is an offer from our side to those who are still not uh, uh subscribers of news laundry so if you like our work and would like to encourage us for what we do uh you can send us an email at subscription@newslaundry.com with the subject line show name and uh there is an offer uh for the first 100 people who send us an email they will get 20% off on our disruptor annual subscription plus you will also get access to some of our cool merchandise such as laptop stickers and fridge magnets please note that this is a one time limited period offer so do consider sending us an email uh and on that note uh this podcast is adjourned all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel 